Uh, we're beginning with a new series uh, entitled Holy Vocabulary, Unpacking the Language of Faith. And uh, we begin with uh, session one, uh, the word holy. But before that, let's look at uh, a section by Jordan Easley on, on uh, this vocabulary that we'll be looking at, page 13. And I read, at first I thought it was awful but he turned out to be a, a nice guy. <laughs> Think you know what, the state, what that statement means. Consider the original meaning of these words. Awful. Something full of awe and inspiring, reverential wonder. Nice. The word originally referred to something silly or foolish, ignorant or senseless. Guy. The word used to refer to someone frightening or grotesque. Guy Fawkes was part of an attempt to blow up the British Parliament in 1605. Afterwards, people would burn his effigy. A Guy Fawkes, or a guy. Although English vocabulary continues to grow and many words slowly change in meaning, our understanding of some words should never change. Unfortunately, however, it does. When our culture changes, the connotations of some words it can seriously impact our understanding of truth. In this study, we're going to re recapture the meaning of six key words and phrases in the Bible. Holy, lost, salvation, faith, sanctified, eternal. Doesn't matter how our culture uses these words. What matters is how God intended for us to understand them. Their meaning makes all the difference in the world. Okay, that's our introduction. So now, now let's, let's uh, look at our first study. And the question that we have, the beginning question, is when have you seen something that would be considered one of a kind? When have you seen something that is considered one of a kind? Anybody saw him? I like I like Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. It's like all these rock formations. They don't know how it got to be like that. So, okay. Yeah. Stone Edge. Stonehenge in England. That, in England, yeah. These yeah. rocks. They have a form it's formulated, but they're not sure how it got How they got there, yeah. yeah. I've seen many documentaries about that. <laughs> they attributed to aliens yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we don't know. God knows. One day we can ask him and he'll tell us. Yes. <laughs> okay, but of course when we get it, we, we're not going to be thinking about things like that, right? Okay, anyone else? When have you seen something that is considered one of a kind? Well, Niagara Falls is uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. Okay, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls, too. Mm -hmm. yes. okay. Although that's actually drying up now. It is? In a, they, they, I saw that on National Geographic, where it's at, the water is actually drying up from the falls. Hmm. Which one? Victoria? Victoria Falls. Oh, yeah. Okay. The earth is winding down. <laughs> they say somewhere in China, uh, Japan, they have a, a, a hotel in the mountains. You can actually see the clouds going down. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the many. I've seen this, brother, around the, the, the coconut tree that was in Shadow Island. coconut tree. And what? Two-headed coconut. Oh, yes. Two-headed coconut. Yes. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's one of a kind. 
Bet you can't find another one of those. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so uh, holy vocabulary, we have those six uh, questions that we'll be looking at. Uh, but what is the point? God is distinct from and above absolutely Okay. God is distinct. Very distinct from above and absolutely everything else. Let's uh, let's look at Bible meets life. You are one of a kind. Depending on who says it, that statement can be a compliment or an insult. When my nana said to me, it was always a good thing, she would say, you're not like your brother or your mother. Boy, you are unique. And I've always believed her. It applies to you too. No one exists. No one is exactly like you. When you put all the pieces together, your physical makeup, your personality, your temperament, your interests are all truly unique. And God is to put a different point on the fingers of each individual in all of human history. But you are also somewhat interchangeable. You can donate blood and even sing organs and keep another person alive. Amen. Okay, so no other person is exactly like you. God made you one of a kind. But only God is totally unique and completely unlike any other being in all of creation. You know, some people can't go through the metal detectors at airports because of all the screws and the plates that they have in them. Okay, they have to pull them aside and scan them separately. Okay, they're like the million dollar man with all the parts. You want to say something? Yeah, it's easy to get a laugh, okay? I told my wife no longer than yesterday. She can't be the person you like me to be because I have already fixed <laughs> 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 God already fixed you the way he wants you to be. Yeah. Okay, many people, for many people, holy refers to something highly religious. It's sacred, untouchable. However, holiness is first and foremost the chief attribute of God. It refers to something that is set apart from the rest, and God is certainly set apart from anything and everything else. How we understand holiness affects how we approach the re- approach and relate to God. As we understand the nature and character of God, we see just how holy He really is. And we'll see more of that as we look into our study today on the word holy. Here's the setting. Isaiah proclaimed the coming Babylonian exile in chapter 39, verses 5 to 7. In his later years, God called Isaiah to a new task. 
to offer comforting words of God's promises to return his people to their land after the Babylonian exile. After Hezekiah's death, conditions worsened when Manasseh became Judah's king and Isaiah's public ministry ended. Tradition has it that Isaiah died as a martyr during Manasseh's reign, perhaps sown in two, like was mentioned by many of the martyrs in the book of Hebrews uh, when it talks about how they died. Hebrews chapter 11, 37 uh, mentioned those who were sown in two, and it's believed that Isaiah may have been one of those uh, who was sown in two. Uh, uh, but he served the Lord uh, faithfully. We have a couple of passages to look at, and the first one is Isaiah 40, 25 to 26. Who want to take that first one? To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal? Yes, Look up and see. <clears throat> who created these? He brings out the stars by number, he calls all of them by name. Because of his great power and strength, not one of them is missing. When my kids were young, they loved playing with play playbills. Molding and shaking their squishy stuff, they would form it into the weirdest shapes and come up <clears throat> with the most extravagant names for their creations. Creation. You know what I mean. <laughs> what I thought was just a blue stick or a yellow ball would end up in a main character in their make-believe story. Each one came up with a name, a job, and a role of playing to their narrative. And then they would ask me to play. Daddy, make something with us. And the only thing my finite brain could come up with was a ball of that. I could never become a imaginative thing like they could. My creative juices flowed toward like fluffy old motor oil. But my kids always came up with the wildly original things. On an infinitely largest scale, nothing we create can compare with what God creates. Our God is so creative and unique that he is totally unlike and far before anything we can ever think to create. To the eyes of the prophet Isaiah, God asks you from the name of Christians, who is like me? Who is equal to me? If we attempt to answer these rhetorical questions with anything but the obvious response, no one, then we have not set apart God as holy. We have erroneously set as equal two distinctly different things. Consider who is asking these questions, the Holy One. The one, the word holy describes someone or something that is devoted or certified. For example, at the end of creation, God declared the seventh day holy, meaning it was set apart and different from the other six days, Genesis 2, 2 and 3. Holy certainly applies to God as he is totally separate and unique from anyone or anything else. Our God is so holy and set apart that Jewish people will not pronounce 
of the invention of the name God to Moses, Yahweh, which essentially means I am. Instead, they substitute Adonai, which means Lord. In most English translations, Yahweh is replaced with Lord in caps or lower caps. See Isaiah 1427. <coughs> if anyone wants to know what makes him unique, his holy one says, Look and see. The holy one says, Look and see for yourself. No one but God can bring out the stars, number them, and call them all by name. No one. The majesty of the stars, screams of God's holiness, power and glory. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaim the works of His image. Because of God's great power and mighty strength, not one of the stars is missing. No other being without named a moon and star. Certainly, no one would have made a single star, yet one day. God stands alone in this, highlighting just how holy He is. His holiness is unmatched. His creativity and cannot, cannot be undone by anyone or anything. God's declaration really puts us, put our own and finite nature into perspective. Our own attempts to be creative look like preschool play doh games alongside God's creative power. In fact, God created the very elementary play doh we used to make our childish creation. The master creator did not need to gather materials together before his, before he created, he created out of nothing. But simply speaking, only one who is all powerful could do that. He is the creator. We are the creator. If we can keep that in perspective, then we set him apart in our hearts as Okay, what is so mind-blowing and mind-boggling uh, is the mention of the stars. Think about it. Do we know how many stars there are? There are said to be billions and billions of stars. And notice what this says. What it says. God knows every one of them by name. Can you fathom that? <laughs> and not only that, he says not one of them is missing. <laughs> he knows every star by name. It's like a parent who has children. They know all their children by name, no matter how many they have. And if one is missing, they know. That's God. But even the hairs on your head and all. Yeah, he says he knows. He, he knows the number of hairs of your head. Now think about that for a minute. Because every time I comb, whenever I have here, <laughs> some come off on the comb, <laughs> right? 
used 38 times in Isaiah, 38 times you see this phrase, the Holy One. And then we see the phrase power and strength, which is another reference to God as the creator of the heavens. No one created what God created, and no one can duplicate what God created. Okay, um, and then stars. Uh, we talk about the billions and billions of stars. Uh, we need to be mindful that wherever those stars are, God put them there. He placed them precisely where He wanted them to be, and they don't move. Not only that, we, we saw that He named them, and not a single one of them is missing. Okay, it's something to really uh, blow our minds. You got a handout uh, uh, this morning from Brother Cliff, but look at that handout. handout that you got, and the first word on that is holy. Uh, we're going to be looking at this handout throughout as we go through our course. But the one word we want to focus on there is holy. And the description there is worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. See that? Holy. Worthy of complete devotion. And you could put complete, absolute devotion. As one who is perfect in goodness and righteousness. There's no one who is more perfect in goodness and righteousness than God is. You can find the most devout person on earth and they won't compare. They'll pale in comparison uh, to God's goodness, God's perfection and goodness in righteousness. So we want to keep that thought in mind. And Isaiah was one who really uh, was set apart by God Isaiah prophesied during the reigns of four Judean kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, and met his death under the fifth king, the evil Manasseh. Okay, Judah's enemies included Assyria, Babylon, and Persia, and they were vicious uh, towards Judah. And so Isaiah lived during the times of the Assyrian dynasty when the northern kingdom Israel was defeated in 722 BC. Isaiah prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah regarding the events that would occur during the time when Babylon was the dominant world power in 505, in 605 to 550 BC. But notice God asked two rhetorical questions. Who is like me? Can we answer that question? Who is like me? And who is equal to me? If we attempt to answer these rhetorical questions with anything but the obvious response, no one, then we have not set apart God as holy. We have erroneously set as equals 
two distinctly different things. Something to think about, isn't it? And I trust that we will think about it as we go through the study. Question number two. When was the last time you felt in awe of our Creator? Probably something you saw, or probably something you heard. When was the last time you felt in awe of our Creator? Yesterday at the beach, watching mm-hmm. the waves and the rocks, and mm-hmm. the way it sprays up. And then the day before, it was perfectly calm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm. My one was on Friday. And there's a boat beach as And the boat pass and the new line as it passed. Mm-hmm. And after about five minutes, you couldn't see a trace of that line. And then what came to mind is, how could you measure the ocean or the water? Or know, you know, like they know, like fishermen or scientists, they know different depths and different things of the ocean, but still, mm-hmm. it's still not everything. There's still, you know, more to that we mm-hmm. don't know. There's always something in nature and creation that reminds us of the awesomeness of God. And, mm-hmm. All the Hindus should have stand in awe of the events of Park and Dora. Mm-hmm. All the Hindus. To this day, I very often think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what the power of God is in every behavior. That should be in the center of all thoughts. Mm-hmm. For a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Harkins remind of the remind us of the awesome power of God. Okay, in the next verses we will be reminded of God's omniscience. Let's look at those verses. Uh, verses of twenty seven to twenty eight. Who wanna take that one? That's a short one. Jacob, why do you say I'm this way? Why do you just say my way is hidden from the Lord and my kindness is in your body? My God, do you not know how you may hear the audience to everlasting God? The creator of the world, he will become for you. There is no limit to his understanding. God used to put the answer and to speak these things of comfort to the Jews. Because of their communion of minds may have been rendered seen and members of the game, traveling to a time. They didn't know what to do. We also know times when we don't know what to do. This is especially true at this stage of life. Uncertainty that comes with aging and change, when physical, mental, emotional, or physical, produce anxiety in us. It is easy for us to complain when we are scared or don't know what the future holds. We grumble in our uncertainty and search for answers, but we do not. But we do so with no clear direction or where to look for the right answer. Too often we have more than we have. 
basis of Venus and also a really love to distinct theory, correct? is from all their words. We have only one voice worth listening to, God. God is set apart from all other voices because He is the only one who knows all things and, and has wisdom about the right course of action. He is holy. In His wisdom, His knowledge is unmatched. In all the world. What is the refrain that we can study? Do you not know how you not heard? The prophet already asked this question. In verse 21, but if there's repeating to remind us of the power and the presence of God, we tend to forget these words. And must and much like the children of Israel we ask, what have you done for me lately? But almost, said Hashashkali, God reminds his people, do you not know? Have you not heard? God is enough. If God has the wisdom to create the whole earth, the wisdom to create an ex ecosystem, ecosystem that keeps nature in balance and the wisdom to create the human body with all his intricacies. He certainly can handle all of our questions and concerns. We need to be more like toddlers, asking questions freely and constantly. Instead, we are too often like teenagers, no longer asking anything because they think they know it all. The great thing about many questions to God is that he never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. How can God know all that is going on in my life and the direction my life is heading? When such questions are arise in our mind, we are doing what the Jews did. When they wondered if God had forgotten about them, or had no direction for them. At that time, they asserted my way in hidden from the Lord, and my claim is ignored by my God. Even when we are experiencing those dry seasons, when we wonder if God has forgotten about us or has any direction for us, God is present. He knows us, and He knows what we need. That is why He is God, and we are not. We are not even begin to follow His understanding. He never tired, tired or grows weary of our questions and needs. God is with out equal in His knowledge, and His infinite wisdom points to His holiness. Okay, thank you. Uh, notice uh, a couple of insights on verse 28. Two rhetorical questions. Uh, do you not know? Have you not heard? Imply the listeners should already know the answers to these two questions. We always know. Because of what God has done. What is God has, has done in the past and what he's capable of doing. Four allegorically rich declarations about God. Um, uh, uh, 
brought to mind with these two particular questions. First, God is eternal or everlasting. Okay, there's never a time when God wasn't, and there'll never be a time when he, when he won't be. And then God is the creator of the whole earth. Sometimes we limit God's creation to various aspects of creation. Uh, with the songwriter says he owns the sheep on a thousand hills, but he owns a thousand hills too. Okay, so we limit his aspects of creation. And then God never becomes faint or weary in overseeing the earth and his people. Uh, we are accustomed to getting tired, weary, all right? And sometimes we get the impression that, you know, with all that's going on in the world, God got to be tired. Okay, with all the, the, the atrocities that's going on in the world, God's got to be tired. With all the cries that are going out to God about why me and why this and why now, God's got to be tired. But God never grows weary. God possesses unlimited understanding. Nothing escapes his watchful eye. And that's something that we need to pray that people are aware of. Nothing escapes God's watchful eye. I think it's the psalmist who says God's going, God goes to and fro on the earth, uh, watching the good and the evil. Okay, nothing escapes God. Sometimes people think that they can get away with stuff, but God missed this or God missed that. Nothing escapes God's watchful eye. He is all-knowing, all-seeing, ever-present. He is the omniscient one. Question number three. When have you felt that God was unaware of your circumstances? Anybody? <laughs> you felt, you know, you were going through something and you feel, Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. People say that sometimes, don't they? <coughs> you know? But God is always aware. Last passage. We will see, we will discover how God provides for those who need strength in the last passage. Uh, another short one. Uh, 40, uh, verse 29 uh, to 31. We want to take that last one. Okay, go ahead. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youths may become faint and weary, and young men stumble, stumble and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. When I was in my early 20s, I thought I was invincible. In my physical prime, I lived much of my life outdoors doing some sort of physical activity. The problem is, now that I'm pushing 40, I still feel like I'm in great shape. Recently, our family went rock climbing. We suited up, locked into our harnesses, and began racing to the top. In the beginning, I was in first place by a mile, but then halfway up, I had to stop and take a breather. I was gasping for breath and my hands were cramping up. Before I realized what was happening, my 13-year-old daughter was far above me, ringing the bell to indicate that she had reached the peak. To me, the sound of that bell was saying, hey dad, I'm in better shape than you. <laughs> it's moments like these that humble us and remind us of our own weaknesses. Facing our weaknesses is not limited to physical limitations. We can struggle spiritually. We can feel weak when it comes to maintaining good relationships, struggling with temptation, or enduring difficulties at home. We may want to do the right thing, but we can't stand on our own. Thankfully, God can sustain us. 
In fact, God is the only one who can sustain us. To sustain means to strengthen or support mentally or physically. We all need to be strengthened and supported, even when we are young. No one can sustain himself nonstop. We all have limits. But we don't have to remain held down by our limitations. We can renew our strength when we confidently look to God and his word to fill us. We can rest in the truth that God is all we need. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Okay, next page. Okay. Verse 31 gives the meat to the promise of God's sustaining power. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. The Hebrew word kava, translated trust, is a rich word. It captures the idea of a sure confidence that what God says will happen. Trust is a confident and eager expectation that God will come through. Trust is fully leaning on his word. So when we trust God to sustain us, we not only renew our strength, but we rise to new heights. We will soar on wings like eagles. We don't just survive in this life, we thrive. All this happens because of the God we serve. God is holy in that he is the only one who can sustain us and provide what we need at just the right time and in just the right measure. He truly is without equal, and we can stand when we rest in His holiness. Amen. Okay, notice that phrase, we all need to be strengthened. No one can sustain himself non-stop. We all have our limits. And the story tells us about that man's limits in climbing the mountain. God gives strength. In other words, He gives vigor to be firm. And faint referred to the Jews who are exhausted and suffering under the oppression uh, that they were being afflicted by. Strengthens the powerless, the verse says. Means that God gives us abundant strength to those who have nothing to give of themselves. And so God is able, isn't he? Yes. Let's look at page 23. We wrap up. In light of the holiness of God, how will you live this week? Thank Him. Thank God for His uniqueness and holiness. Thank Him for His incredible power, infinite wisdom, and gracious, sustaining work in your life. Sometimes we underestimate what God is able to do. Let's thank Him for what He's doing. And then trust Him. Only God has the power and wisdom to save you, help you, and sustain you. Consider any areas of life where you might have questioned them or relied more on yourself. Commit to trusting Him with all your life. What does the verse say? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll do what? He will direct your path. Okay, and then be holy. God is holy and He calls us to follow Him and be holy as well. Commit to living a life set apart for Him. Memorize 1 Peter 1, 15, 16. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Amen? Amen. We have a marching orders for the week, right? 
So we know what to do from here on in, right? Amen. Okay, our time is gone, so let's close out. Father, we need you. We need your help and your power as we are mindful of what you've instructed us today in your word. Please renew our strength as we trust in you. Help us, O Lord, we pray, when we cannot help ourselves. For this we ask in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.